Welcome to The Intern Whisperer. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. Today, today's Intern Whisperer tip of the week is employers. You have to make sure it doesn't matter, honestly. You know, if it's an intern, sometimes entry-level employees, please make sure they know what reply all means. Reply all, they need to look. Do I see more than one person's name on this message? All right, I should probably do reply all. And then another nice little piece of etiquette is if you're going to move somebody to a BCC, you do that and you say, I'm moving to Ron, I guess, to BCC so that he doesn't have to keep getting hit with all of these types of emails. So today's guest is Jaron Bailey, and he is here with Pocket Capital. He's wearing a little, you know, swag on his shirt today. So happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. So we kick off our show with, tell us five words that you would use to describe yourself and why those five words? All right. Uh, dad, founder, creative. I'm going to give you one. Mental health advocate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's three words. So thank there you, you go. Thank you. Mental health advocate. And. You're like a serial entrepreneur. I would say humble because I don't like to say that. I think people yeah. that are humble are always grateful for so much in their life. So there we go. Dad, founder, creative, <coughs> grateful, and uh, mental health advocate. Yeah, mental health. Okay, yeah, so let's go over that. to Dad. Tell yeah. us. Uh, you don't have to disclose details if you don't okay. want yeah. about your son, but he can tell us how old he is and what For makes sure. him so spectacular. He's, he's three years old. Uh, his name's London, and he's the greatest. Like it's, you don't really understand like a type of love until you have a child of your own, and. You never really understand like mental toughness. It is not about you anymore. It is about that little child that you have to, you know, take care of and protect and just, you know, love on. That is it. My mom told me that too. She's like, once London came, that's it. You're not important anymore. It's all about you. You are not. Yeah. Yeah. And she feels that same way still about you. But now that you have, she she has a grandson, mm. it is a totally different thing. Now you no longer matter. Yeah, it's all good though. It's all good. <laughs> it, it's like not, not in a bad way. But yeah. it's like, no, it's not about you anymore. It's all about him because <laughs> he's the future, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And, it, and that's like the best way to put it. It's It puts a different lens on how you see yourself, how you see yourself as a child. Mm-hmm. And you instantly become a lot more grateful for the things that you've gone through yeah. uh, throughout the years. And you understand that parenting doesn't come with instructions. And it's it's really a, a testament of failing forward and just figuring it out as you can as you go. But and, you know what? Don't you think it does come with instructions? Because you have the previous instruction, version whatever, with your own <laughs> parents, right? And so there was that instruction manual of how you were raised. And then you yeah. can go... I know what I want to do and what I don't want to do. But I don't think that we actually consider that. Yeah, it did come with instructions. And it was like <laughs> what my parents did well and what I disagreed with. Right? Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, to sum it up in one word, I, I would say the instructions that a child comes with is faith. You know, you, you just have faith that you're going to do the best that you can with, with, with what you have at that moment. It's a promise. You're going to aspire to continuously do your best. Yeah. That's all you can do. 
That is exactly true. Yeah. yeah. They go, well, okay, what'd you yeah. bring for me? Where where's the where's the sucker or whatever it is oh, that you for were sure. Yeah, every time remember. I, every time my son sees a uh, like a Chick-fil-A sign or like a logo. He loves Chick fil A. Yeah. He's have to say, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And it's so funny because my dad my dad would joke around all the time when I was younger. Like that's what I did as a child too. So next word, you said we'll go with uh, a different word. You said entrepreneur, but you have a lot of things that are going on. You've yeah. been a serial entrepreneur, and we'll talk more about pocket capital. We'll save that for after these five words. Okay. But what are all of the all of the things that you've done as an entrepreneur? It's my it was my life, and mm-hmm. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial. <laughs> So it's what I've been exposed to my whole life. So I feel like it's just naturally how I see the world in a business-oriented type of type of mm-hmm. way. Um, myself personally, my first business, it was a t-shirt company when I was in elementary school. And I no was way! Just, how old were you? I was in uh, fourth grade. Yeah. Oh my god! Grade. A t-shirt business. Yeah. Where were you even? You know, like what was it? Ironing it on the you know with an ironing board yeah. at your house. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it was. Is for me, like school, I, I view school very different. So I always try to just like get my work out of the way and then just just doodle in my notebook and just come up with creative ideas. And like I was just I was that kid. I was just always working on something or drawing or just my mind being active and I'm getting it out. So back then, I would I would just ask my friends like, "Hey, what's your favorite animal? What's your favorite thing?" What and I would just draw it and then. Oh, I could put these on a shirt. And so you're them. like an artist, a graphic designer? No, or? not even close. <laughs> I'm a I'm a creative for sure. I'm a designer for sure. But I wasn't exposed to a lot of electronics Formal. growing up. Yeah, I wasn't exposed to that. My parents, um, my parents are, are immigrants that came from Antigua. Uh, so growing up, it was a lot of, I guess, like cultural values at home that were instilled. So we, it was a less is more type of, type of environment growing up. And we appreciated the little things and we definitely weren't exposed to all the advanced stuff so when I say I'm a creative like I know how to work with my hands I know how to put together product and design that way and I can communicate the process but I don't I never physically put the time into this, like learning Photoshop or Illustrator or anything like that my best friend that's where he comes in and he excels with that and that's how we met we'll, I'll definitely touch on that subject later but uh yeah, I mean, to get back to your question, yeah, uh, it was just what I've, what I've been exposed to. And I've always been obsessed with, like, testing an idea to see if it makes an impact or if it can solve a problem. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I see business. And I've definitely failed forward, and I've found my, my passion subjects, my passion areas in business. And it's really just about creating value. So I've created a couple brand ideas over the years, and... You just test one, see if it works, see if you want to put more energy into it, yes or no, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's more about the idea and can you make an impact with something and run with it. So that's that's my journey with entrepreneurship, is just creating solutions. Not being them. afraid to fail, honestly. Yeah, no, I think you all. have to sit here and go, all right, if it works, awesome. If it doesn't yeah. work, awesome. Move to the next thing, right? I'm pretty desensitized to failure because I understand it's part you of the process. You have to be. Yeah. yeah. Can't let the, that be the thing that puts you down. So you said humble. Why yeah. humble? Because I've failed a lot. I've failed a lot and I've learned. I've learned a lot over the years of just creating ideas that I'm passionate about and putting my all into them. And you just learn the ropes and you understand 
how to control excitement and how to just do what you feel is right. And you celebrate at the time where it's appropriate to yeah, celebrate. Time and place. And then you go, boom, I've got to keep going on. <laughs> exactly. And I've been knocked off my high horse several times. And it's it's more of I'm taking more of a humble approach now and just being more grounded and balanced and just knowing that I know my purpose on earth. I know my God given purpose and I'm just focusing on being one percent better every single day mm-hmm. and fulfilling my purpose. So whatever accolades, whatever things come with that, that's it's it was designed that way mm-hmm. by the universe and I'm just doing what I gotta do. Yeah. And I'm not forcing anything, I'm just going with the flow. And kind of just let go and let God, you know. Yeah. That's good sound counsel for all of our listeners. So the other one is mental health advocate. Why that? Yeah. Um like I said, I've failed a lot, and I'll definitely touch on it uh, lightly, but I, I've i never managed one thing ever in my entire life, and I've always been able to bounce from idea to idea to idea, and I was building a, a, a company, a machine, and it was just becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and there were so many moving parts, and I ignored the one thing, which was personal health. I, I ignored that because... I just had that drive. I have that, that entrepreneurial drive. I didn't need to sleep. I didn't need to eat. I just, give me a whiteboard, four walls, a conference table, a laptop. That's it. Like, I'm good. Me and my team, and we're, and we're running. And um, a couple bad situations happened on, on my personal side, and not really bad. It, it, everything happens for whatever reason. Yeah. It's not, nothing's good or bad. It just is. So let me rephrase the way I said that. Some challenges. Yeah, some personal challenges. And to cut a long story short, I experienced what is referred to as a manic episode. And that led to me having to get hospitalized for a brief period of time and undergo some intense therapy and treatment to get myself back together again. And I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar 1. And I don't really like labels, so I didn't really care about the diagnosis. I more so was happy for the framework to understanding how a human mind like mine works Mm -hmm. and being able to see a route to facilitate how to not only maximize my strengths, but also be able to work on my weaknesses and know what causes them to show themselves as their weaknesses. So it was a blessing in disguise because for the first time in my life, I was forced to have everything stop. Mm -hmm. I had no contact with anybody outside other than, you know, specific times of the day. And uh, I was just working on me. And from getting that diagnosis, I've under, I understood, like, there's so many people out there that just need help and they don't know how to ask for it. Because yeah. I certainly did not. You know, thank you for sharing that. Because yeah. a lot of people don't. And they're afraid of whatever the stigma is. And I was working with the National Association on Mental Illness in Greater Orlando. They were... Uh, customer of mine mm-hmm. and I went through one of their classes it's called Namigo for our listeners um, for that particular location okay. Nami. and one of the things they asked me to do was go through one of their uh, courses and I said sure and it was 10 weeks long I am so glad I did because statistically at the time when I was going through the course they said it was one in four had um, had a disorder and I sat there and I, went, I totally disagree with that I think it's one in four does not have a disorder because what fell into disorders was not just what people will say, oh, that's that's an issue, schizophrenia and bipolar. 
but it was anxiety, depression. Yeah. There was, you know, uh, autistic was on there. There was like this whole list of things that was underneath the spectrum of a mental disorder. And I said, do you know how many people don't talk about this? That's the perfect word to use, spectrum. Yeah, it is a huge yeah, spectrum. There's a lot going on. I've gone through depression. My mother did. I mean, so I sat there and I went, my, my brother, I mean, there are so many variables there. And I went, no, yeah. it's one out of four doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. So I would disagree with that statistic. I remember having that discussion with the board for quite a few times. Yeah. The other thing that I would say about um, any type of a mental health issue, if people would be able to be brave like you and be able to put that out there, it would make it so that others would come forward and go, you know what, that's me. So we have here inside of my company, one of the things that I absolutely, um, I do have biases when I like to hire. If you ask me what they are, I'm going to tell them right now. My, in no particular order, are veterans that have been working for a while and they have to transition into uh, the corporate world. They're, they have to start all over. Now, granted, they know how to lead, they know how to follow, they know how to do a whole lot of things like that. But they still have a learning curve because they have to go and learn business world. Gotcha. And it's a completely different industry than being in the military. The second group that I like to work with are individuals with disabilities, all types. Because they're very appreciative of the fact that they have something that maybe people can see if it's in a wheelchair. Maybe they can't see if it's autism. And they'll go, well... What's different? There's something different about this person. I don't know what it is. And a person will, they'll shy away from it. And they go, no, there's something there. I don't want to mess with that. I will pick those people. Because I go, first off, they're going to be really loyal. They know what it means to have a job. They do not want to lose that. Um, and the third group that I like a whole lot are people that are not U.S. citizens that want to work here. Absolutely. And they again, they're going. I don't want to be kicked out. I want to live here. This is so they will work really, yeah, really hard. Sure. So individuals with disabilities. Um, I have several people that are high functioning autistic that work with me, and one of them that's with us right now. He is on our video team. We are doing this whole series about diversity, equity, and inclusion, oh, wow. and we're going to be talking with people with different disabilities. And getting that message out there. So what is it that you would want employers to know about this disability? That would be awesome if we would all talk about it. And then what would you want people to know about the fact that you're from India? You know, we're here in the United States. What is it that you want us to know? Yes, you speak English. You know, that is one of your languages in your country. We get it. So we're taking all of these biases and I guess I would say uh, opinions, and being able to break those down, and we're calling it uh, Behind the HR Curtain, nice. and their conversations, and we're going to break them down into like little bites that we can release for people just to learn more about, awesome. and veterans too. What is it that we as employers and employees need to know about veterans? Okay, especially what if they had PTSD? There you go. That's another disorder, right? Yep. So what do we need to know to help them feel included? So yes, there's diversity, but there's also inclusion. And so the fact that you're so graciously sharing what that is, a struggle that you had, you've also shown that there's a choice 
and how you chose, you know, something that's healthy for you. And to be able to demonstrate for your son, I'm sure, and for those that are around you that care about you, is yes, I am here to be a, a role model, a, an amazing dad, somebody that's here to be an advocate that's you know going to go ahead and put it out there and just not even worry what somebody's going to think because you're going to yeah. break down walls. That's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, definitely. And um, anything you're doing in that realm, like sign me up, I'll, I'll definitely be there. I definitely want to be involved in the community a lot more because I was submerged in the community without knowing anything about it. And I was welcome with open arms and I received the help that I didn't know that I needed. And I'm mm-hmm. extremely grateful for that. And um, even when once we finish up, I'll definitely uh, share with you like the facilities that I, I was in and where I got my care and stuff. So if there's anything that we can do, I will definitely, uh, I would love to be a part of it. And for employers, it's really just to, well... See the person see for the, who they are. Yeah, like see them, don't see them as a number, see them as people. And I'm, I'm coming from my professional career primarily is retail. That's what I'm passionate about. I love everything about retail. And we'll talk about pocket capital and all that later, but I've experienced the the highest highs of retail and the lowest lows. I've worked in the biggest locations, the number one, the number two stores in the country for the big three, if you will, in, in retail. And I've worked on the premium side. I've worked on the action sports side as well. And something that every single company has that they overlook is the fact that they have really passionate people that are passionate about the brand and what what the the logo means or what the the message is and they're getting their first job and they they're going there for the brand and yes for a paycheck but they're they're looking they're looking to go there because they're inspired mm-hmm. and in three four months they're burnt out mm-hmm. because they're they're treated as go stand in the front say hello welcome our promotions buy one get one half off go fold those t-shirts go stand at the fitting room. They're not asked, why are you here? What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? How long are you going to be here? Because this is not a forever job. How can I help you grow? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? So mm-hmm. going through that and experiencing it and being the, the different manager, because I... You're investing yeah, in your people. You're, you're talking your people. to them. You're no, getting to know them. You're developing a real relationship. With them. Yeah. And that's what the, a lot of these big companies overlook and... For me, I've, I, I was always the manager in any company that I, that I worked at to always push the boundaries and always ruffle the feathers of the higher-ups. And it's because I did what I felt was, was right for the team. And I didn't really care about what was right for the balance sheet or what was right for the cookie-cutter framework that they're telling you is going to work in every single store. Like Every single store is made up of individual people that all have lives. And you know, you, it's a melting pot. And you have to understand how to deal with that melting pot. And as a leader, you know, you, you got to make sure everything works the right way. And you're able to do that by listening. And mm-hmm. big organizations, small organizations, they need to listen to their people. And they need to understand how to empower them and not employ them. And people are so obsessed with a title and a salary and the benefits that they lose sight in who they are and what their purpose actually is. And a job will drain you of that. Mm-hmm. Well, a job where you don't feel like you were saying purpose seen is everything. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's also, we'll throw something else in there too, when people consider who they're going to hire. I mean, if you're hiring for models, yes, you know, there might be a perception, but even that has changed in the retail space because they're going, no, we, we are not all size two. We are not all this. 
So now when I go into Target, I see all different types of body types. I'm like, that's the real world. That we're yeah, in. exactly. That is what it should look like. And I can actually see what something would look like on me based on, I'm like short, I'm 5'2". <laughs> so, you know, what it might work for somebody on that's uh, a woman that's 5'7", yeah. isn't going to work on me. So, yeah, body type. We'll throw that one in there, too. Okay, I don't, I did not make a note of your fifth word. I don't know what it was. I'm thinking it was like learner or continuous learner, but I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like you're in that realm. <laughs> that would be a safe yeah, word for you. we can go with that one. I love learning. I love studying. I love research and development. That's actually my favorite part of like the business development process is the research and development. And just getting the nuts and bolts together and just creating something great. All right. Well, our next question is, Tell us about where you went to college and how did you get here? So now you get to go and start talking about all of these great companies that you worked with and that you actually created also. So where'd you go to college? I, I started at USF in Tampa. I did um, So that's University of South? So yeah, South Florida and Tampa. Yeah, yeah just yeah. for our listeners. Yeah, Yeah, USF, University of South Florida, yeah. Tampa. My, uh, my grandma passed away uh, shortly after that, so... Mm-hmm. Just to be closer to the family and everything, I ended up moving uh, moving back home, and I, I went to Broward College for a little bit, and then I transitioned to FIU, and I didn't really like being down south too, too much, so I moved up uh, to Orlando, and I went to Valencia, and then transitioned over to UCF, and throughout that entire process, uh, I was working throughout the retail, uh, retail industry, um, climbing up the ranks in three separate companies, uh, Zoomies, Adidas, and... Uh, a little bit later on with uh, All Saints, and I was going to school at the same time, and I was just creating my own, I was testing my own brands. So when I went to uh, USF, University of South Florida, I met my my best friend and my business partner, Matt, and he's a graphic designer. And that's when I brought all my crazy ideas to him, and he was a struggling graphic designer trying to figure it out. And I was uh, all over the place, creative thinker that was going into business college and I was like all right this is perfect we were introduced together by a mutual friend and we decided to uh, create a brand uh, a streetwear skateboarding inspired brand and that's where we transitioned from hey let's build a a t-shirt brand to let's learn the ropes of this industry over the over the next several years and like let's get this right so we came in with the intention of we're going to sell shirts and we're going to self-fund our ideas and we're going to figure this out but the idea from inception was to be vertically integrated and work within every single aspect of the supply chain that we needed for the industries that we were passionate about. Skateboards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking about longboards or wide or like old no, school? Like, no, like street skateboarding, uh, you know, rails, stair sets, skate parks, um, half pipes, that type of okay, thing. Okay, so what is your best skateboarding trick that you could do? Ah, uh, did you do it in a swimming pool? Like where they went into a swimming pool, no, and then no, they go no, into no. a flip? <laughs> I, I prefer more the street skating. Okay. Yeah, so I'm right now I'm actually training and conditioning just so I can be more active and skate. For some projects that we're working on, I want to be able to keep up with the guys. And right now, I'm, I'm falling back in love with street skating. So right now... Uh, okay, so define that for us. Yeah, go back. What is street skating? Just... Because I'm going, I don't know. I figured there's going to be other listeners that may yeah. not know. Street skating, like, you're just going out with the with the homies and you're finding good spots. Like, you're finding 
stair sets and manual pads and ledges. Okay, and so gaps. it's like I see people downtown. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's what makes me happy. That's what I grew up doing: um, skateboarding, playing music, um, being being in the art aspect and painting, drawing. Can your drawing. son skateboard? Yeah, he can. Yeah. For real, he's three. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has his own skateboard. Now. Oh no, it's as big yeah. as him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's um he's learning how to like drop in on the ramps now, and he has to go to a skate park. He has his whole whole setup. And I, I always said like I'm not gonna force my son to do anything that he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna expose him to the life that I live, and whatever he gravitates to, that's what I'll do. So like he gravitated towards soccer on his own. I'm his soccer coach, and I, I love doing that. It's so much fun. I had a warehouse when I was down in Fort Lauderdale, and we used to skate in the garage and everything like that. And one day my son sits on the skateboard and then he starts like using his hands and like pushing himself around the, around the warehouse. And I'm like, all right, cool. I guess he likes skateboarding and that's his thing. So he's been doing it um, pretty consistently. We'll go a couple of times a month to the skate park and he just does his thing. I can just see this little tiny three-year-old with a great big yeah. helmet on his head, little tiny elbow you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I got to show you the videos. It's, it's yeah, so I was going to say that. Like, when yeah. we get finished with the show, I want to see a video. <laughs> you know what I saw? This mm-hmm. is really, it's totally, it's related to skateboarding. I went down to the convention center one time. They were having a surfing uh, convention. There was a dog. Surf skate expo, yeah. It was a, a French bulldog. And it's out there skating on the skateboard. And yeah. it's like, it's, you know, all three, you know, right front, back legs yeah. are on there. And it's using its front left leg to just yeah. that breed loves it. Like I have a I have a bulldog as well. Um, my my friend Matt, my partner Matt, I was telling you about. He has a bulldog as well. Same thing. Like our dogs love skateboards too. Oh my god! Yeah. That was like I was going. I have to it's get a like picture a of this. Thing. Yeah, it's it's so funny. <laughs> it it's is so, so funny. funny. And I I did not know. I don't. I've only seen that breed do it. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. there's other breeds that do it. But I was going, why does that breed? Because they're low to the ground? I don't I have know. no idea. Same thing. I've only seen that breed do it, like bulldogs. But it's like they the might be the perfect height because oh, my yeah. dachshunds can't do it. Their little legs can't <laughs> even touch is, the ground. They're heavy. Like they look super light. Like my dog is super tiny, but if you pick him up, he's solid. He's like 50 pounds. Oh, yeah. No, he my brother has him. Yeah. He has those same kind of um, old English bulldogs. Okay. They are solid. There is, just, and you know, the drool. Is yeah, like, <laughs> it's you know you need to put a bib yeah. around that thing. Oops, sorry, touch oh, yeah. my, my mic. Oh, there we are. We're back. Anyway, okay. So how'd you go from college and then you were in skating and mm-hmm. now where are you at this point? At this point, I am. What is Pocket Capital? Yeah, Pocket Capital is uh, me bottling up all the learning lessons and pivoting into what I love to do and it's a venture studio and we're a vertically integrated venture studio. Uh, we operate as a holding company. Everything is internal for, for what we do and we create brands. We create, we own, operate, distribute, manufacture consumer brands. Mm-hmm. We, we focus on the hospitality and retail sector and we're, we're in the action sports, uh, luxury goods, accessories, soon to be cosmetics and we're just creating brands just creating brands that have a purpose behind them that have a social impact and we're creating the business model testing them and just creating great companies that we can grow and scale that we can then scale hire scale again that's mm-hmm. that's really it so where did the name come from pocket capital i mean i have an idea but you know let's hear your stories okay less is more 
Mm. So it has to fit in the pocket? That's a good way to put it. Um, but no, it's really just understanding that you can do a lot with a little bit. Oh, my God. And okay. Now that's, that's the key word for me. I sat yeah, there and I learned, how do you do it with zero budget? Yeah. There you go. That's really, that's really where the name came from. Uh, I've, I've been working on Pocket Capital since 2017, uh, the business model and the overall brand concept. And a really good friend of mine and mentor as well, he exposed me into the world of trading and day trading. And that's when I understood like how money worked. I, I just got hooked on learning the ins and outs of the day trading industry. And it was just amazing to see the liquidity and the way that businesses operate. And the fact that retail traders on the everyday level can learn this skill access the same liquidity and design their lives. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And my, my, uh, my friend, he, he runs a educational based platform where he teaches people how to trade stuff like that. But for me, I was like, what is your friend's name? His name is uh, Quillen Black. Okay. I yeah. was wondering because somebody reached out to me and his name is Sammy. Um, Sammy, Sammy what? I'll have to look it up, but he's wanting to be on my podcast and he's this, Financial. He's a, he's a trader. It, it's his show is called uh, Think Like a Banker. Yeah, and I watched his uh, show and I went wow because you know he explained well his guest helped explain how when you think like a banker you're yeah. going to keep all of the money within your own your own power yeah, and you're going to use that to leverage to get things for yourself instead of going to bank and I went. Wow, that is brilliant. So yeah. yes, I would like to have him on my podcast, that's, that guy. Yeah, that's that's the same the same thought process and leveraging trading to fund your dreams, to test your dreams and make them a reality. At at the simple level, that's what it is. And we have a few we have a few companies that are that we're developing right now that are getting ready to go into the market in twenty twenty two. And it's pocket capital is we're able to be behind the scenes and control and create and operate these brands. And let the brands do the shining and let the brands make the impact. And it has nothing to do with the people behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I love. I love the business and creative side. I love designing the business models and the marketing concepts and the, 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 the frameworks for them. I love all that. But what I also love is seeing somebody fall in love with a product that, that makes them feel the way. Not because they're supporting their friend. They connect with the product because the way it's packaged, the way it's designed, the way it feels, smells, tastes, whatever it is you're working on, and they're able to connect with it. So that's what we do at Pocket. We take ideas, we self-fund them, we send them through our supply chain, we manufacture them, we quality control them, and we, and we deploy them into, into the marketplace through e-commerce, through wholesale, and through retail. Hmm. You know what? We were here, uh, one of my interns and I, that she's working on the Pivot Business Consulting website, and we went downstairs and we got um, something to eat. When we came back, one of the things that I really appreciated was the fact that they gave me a paper straw. It wasn't plastic. Yeah, that's cool. What I was hoping, uh, but the rest of the containers are still all plastic, and gotcha. we need to have things that are more you know, dispo disposable in the sense that they're biodegradable. In India, I've seen that, um, it was on YouTube, and it's been around for a while, that they take plant-based uh, materials, and they created a spork, you know, a fork okay. and a spoon. and But it was made out of something that was even edible. Hmm. So it could have, whatever, we'll say it's jicama root or something like that, something really, you know, pretty strong. 
So they made this, they, they made this little fork, spork, and then they, you eat it, you eat your food, and then you eat that. And then I'm going, you know what? That is like brilliant. Okay. One of my favorite other companies is the Grove. And Grove is about reducing any type of environmental impact. Their goal is to go to zero plastic products within, I think it's even 2023, I think. And they're moving things over into that side of like metals or into glass or in some type of a, 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 I'll say plastic, but some type of a material that's very, very uh, lightweight and not even like, you know, a plastic bottle. I, I respect those kind of products because I think that there's, you know, this bigger picture and I yeah. feel like that's what you're describing. Yeah, purpose driven. Yeah. Um, you know, we say our core values. said social impact. Yeah, absolutely. We we create the the way that we create brands and the businesses. It's a simple framework. Uh, we focus on people, passion, product, and profit, and we create businesses with a framework that is based off of the lean business model. But we focus on three areas: live, work, and play. So, can the businesses that we create consistently improve the way that their consumer live, works, and plays, as well as the, the team behind? The, the, the brand or the business, can they improve what they live, work, and play through working in this brand or business venture day to day? So that's that's the structure that we look for and we create KPIs for both. And it's, again, looking at people, looking at people as people. So we design businesses around the people that operate them. So Pocket Capital is designed around the people that, that run it. Mm-hmm. All of our strengths and weaknesses. Like my entire team knows that I consistently work through bipolar disorder. I have an open door policy with our head of people, and it's a beautiful relationship when your team can be vulnerable and know that their job's not in jeopardy, mm-hmm. or their career's not in jeopardy, or their dreams aren't in jeopardy. Or you know? we'll even take it a step further that their leader might not be there, or yeah. you know, because it's not that you anything's going to necessarily happen to you. <laughs> But, you know, stuff happens to everybody. But so, the thing is, though, like, there's, there are times where I'm not there. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a practice that I learned from having a mental illness is not an illness. It's actually a superpower. I, I went down a rabbit hole there you of go. CEOs that have bipolar disorder as well. Yeah. Paul English, Mark Cuban, and um, Chris Birch. Mm-hmm. Those are the three, three amazing CEOs that run amazing companies and organizations built around their quote-unquote ailment that they see as a superpower. So I'm learning the principles and practices of people that I look up to, not because of a monetary thing or a success thing, but because when they wake up in the morning, they have the same thing that I do. And that's something that my grandma told me when she was going through cancer. She said, Jay, when I wake up in the morning, I know exactly what I have. When I go to sleep at night, I know exactly what I have. But the time in between is my choice to make what I want with it. So when I learned about my superpower I wanted to know who I could coexist with and not through phone call just through research and development so I looked at these guys and I said how can I emulate their success and it's knowing that they design it with an open door policy they care about people first and they do what they love there was a small window of time where I was very embarrassed and I was very ashamed of what I went through in the episode and all that and it really made me a, a better person and a stronger person too. And seeing these guys at the level that they're at, still making the impact 
there's a community that helped them figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So I will tell you that um, people that are entrepreneurs, they suffer with um, depression, a lot of the mental disorders that were mentioned in that spectrum. And it's not unusual. But we fall into this space of being super highly creative. Like for myself, I sit here and I have gone through, oh my God, is this ever going to end? And sometimes I go and wake up in the morning and go, oh my God. Yeah. You know, I'll be so happy to be in heaven because like this is, I'm so over. On the same hand, I, I realize I have to talk to myself. There was this woman's retreat that I went on and the woman that was the, uh, the speaker, she had, she had received this horrible news all in one day. Um, her husband lost his job. They had a car accident. They got a letter from the IRS. There was something wrong with the house. Something broke. I'm not sure what it was. We'll say it's the washing machine, whatever. And then um, somebody in the family got, like, really, really sick. And I went, and then find this out all in one day. One day. And the woman just, like, she broke down. Yeah, she and has she, a nervous breakdown. Oh, my God. She's just sitting there. Well, I don't know about that side, how severe it was. Mm -hmm. But she was just crying, crying, crying. And she went, you know what? I have my God. And she sat there and she said, I'm going to go set the timer. She set the timer on her stove for 15 minutes. And she allowed herself to feel the emotion. And she realized, well, I need another 15 minutes. And so she used it and she got up to 45 minutes. And she said, you know what? There's other things I could do that are more positive. Now. Yeah. So, you know, she let that be the end of where she was processing. I really took that to heart because I sat there and went, okay, you know. I can either, I can choose to sit here and go, okay, well, poor me and wallow in that pit of self-despair, right? Or I can go, well, what can I do? What is within my power to do? And if it's, you know, like, I didn't have a car for a while, so for two years I was riding the bus. Well, that's what an entrepreneur has to do. And I exactly. go, you know, I'm six miles away. It looks like I'm walking because I didn't have bus fare. Mm -hmm. Or what is it I'm going to do because I don't have somebody to pick me up? So I would walk and I'd go, you know what? I'm going to use this as my gratitude walk. And let's spend an hour talking to God and saying, okay, this is what I'm grateful for. Yeah. The fact that I can walk, you know? You charge the things you do with the positive yeah. intention. Yeah. yeah. And you're able to get through. Yeah. So I feel like that's really what you're addressing is no matter where you are in this spectrum of, of life mm -hmm. and what comes with it, we all have issues, and I feel like the other thing that you're saying by the leader of that company, whoever the boss is, we'll say, but the leader, by showing an interest in others and being transparent and being able to say, so this is something that I'm suffering with, it actually, maybe suffering is, you know, it, it's a challenge for sure. You live with it. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't have suffer, to. you just live with it. Yeah. yeah. So it allows other people in that company to go, well, you know what? I need to share something, too. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And that keeps your people with you longer because exactly. they feel they're in a safe place. They feel that spirit of inclusion around them. That's what you learn to appreciate the most is where you feel safe and where you can be seen and heard. You know? Yeah. And, uh, Favorite quote that you live by? It's a recent one. And... I heard it at the right time, and shout out to Uncle Dan, because this is your quote, and he's he's somebody that, that turned into a mentor that I didn't know that I needed, and he runs an amazing, amazing barbecue business um, in Avalon Park as well, Barbecue 50, and he told me something one day, and he was like, yo, Jay, here's a, here's a secret. If you do everything with love, everything else will follow. 
Mm-hmm. And he and he said it again, and he was like, if you do everything with love, everything else will follow. And he's like, I taught all my kids that. He's just somebody that I have a lot of respect for because he does what he does with love. All of his kids look up to him, and he's just, he's doing the business thing, but he's doing the dad thing, and he's he's himself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that quote hit me so deep, and I tell that to my team all the time. Like, if you guys aren't doing what you love, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. that's it like that's it because nothing's going to come out of it if you don't love it mm-hmm. and yeah I, I i appreciate that quote more than he probably even knows but yeah, yeah that's it so the question is the person that has you know truly influenced your life is that him also he's he's definitely up there you can have more than one yeah he's definitely up there um that person is my grandma and it's just because she she was the rock yeah. you know she was the rock and she just exposed everybody to everything she uh she was a baker so she ran a bakery and where she's from you know it's typical practice to have a home-based setup if you will mm-hmm. so you have your, your dwelling upstairs and your business downstairs or vice versa whichever it is so that's the way that I, that's that's how i grew up i grew up in that bakery and it was our safe haven it was a, it was a backyard to play in it was where we go to for every holiday and recreation it was the meeting spot for the family my grandma cultivated that energy and she do she did it all through something that she she loved she just made cakes so i was able to witness somebody that did what they loved for a living and impact an entire family through that so when she was sick and this is the other quote that i love the most um at the time when she told me this quote it was the spot is on the wall jay and i was like all right what does that mean and she was like for your diploma oh yeah um, I'm her only grandson, so she was like, your sister already has one, but the spot is on the wall. You need to hang something up there. And I did get the diploma for her and everything, but I turned that into a, a mission statement to know that if I just look forward and the spot is on the wall for whatever accolade I want to hang up there, if it's a certification, if it's a diploma, if it's a car key, if it's a poster, whatever it is, your head up and look forward and the spot will be there so mm-hmm. that's the other quote and the other and she's the main inspiration in my life for sure what i like about that is it, to me it reminds me of creating a vision board yeah. you know and i love i have a vision board my vision board is five-year plan honestly and it's it's consistent because it can go oh well i can check that one off that one's been done this one's been done the vision board doesn't mean that it's all going to be completed in a year, but when you were describing it and I was seeing it, I go, so if there's a, a, a spot for it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a spot on the wall. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, that could be your family. That would be your educational achievements. It could be awards that your business has, has won. It's whatever you're right, whatever it is that you want it to be. And to me, then, that begins to create the, the vision board or the dream board or whatever yeah. you want to call it. But I like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, that might be how people choose to go and, um, I guess, decorate their house, maybe, you know, and, and accomplishments. You know, not just art that you can go buy in a store, but definitely accomplishments. Yeah. If you look at it as um, the way you design your space, your environment, and you, you put totems that make you feel grounded or that remind you of something. So this ties back into my passion, consumer products. We're grounded by the things that we spend money on. We exchange mm-hmm. our time for money. So we equate a level of importance to the things that we spend money yes. on. Some do, some don't. So I'm, when someone has something that they consider timeless, you know, the, 
that's that's amazing. So they have the totem that makes them feel grounded. You know, I think that's more so how people design. They, they see their trophies that they got when they were three, four, five, six, seven years old from the spelling bee, and they're like, that was when I was proud of myself, or that was when daddy picked me up, or that was when I spelled that word that no one thought I can do, or they have their karate belts up on the wall, whatever it is, you know. People want to feel proud of themselves. They want to feel confident. And you design your, your room, your safe haven, your home to do just that. So you fill it up with love, but you also fill it up with the intention to feel safe and protected. All right. Four ingredients in the refrigerator. What are they and what can you whip up? <laughs> my favorite drink, yeah, it's a it's a concentrated drink from the UK. And my, my parents had it in the fridge growing up. It's called Ribena. Um, it's a, it's a black currant. You like mix mm-hmm. it with water and stuff like that, dilute it. It's awesome. So that for sure. And then uh, aside from that, like I'm a peanut butter and jelly with bananas in it type of guy. Yeah. Or, like milk and the blue box of honey bunches of oats. I could live off of that. Mm. So yeah, but not regular milk, like some coconut milk or almond milk. I don't, I don't eat dairy or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. You're like vegan. Not vegan. Um, vegetarian. Uh, not not even vegetarian, really. Just I don't eat red meat. I don't eat pork. I don't. Pescatarian. I eat fish. I'm doing my best to lean off of chicken. And it was just the way we were raised. My dad's a Rastafarian, and my mom just got exposed to that life when they got together. So a lot of the things got cut off of the, the, the diet. And if you don't crave something, you don't. You've never been exposed to something. You never had something. You don't crave it. So yeah. I don't really care about hamburgers and steaks and all. Like, I've never ice tasted cream? it. Ice cream? What about ice cream? I'll cheat on ice cream and pizza. Yeah, okay. I'll regret it later on, but I mean, well, they I love do ice cream have soy free, you know, dairy free ice cream. It's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a really quick break for our sponsor to acknowledge Cat Five Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat Five Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. All right, we are back to our show, and we're going to be looking at the future of jobs and industries in 2030. What do you think it's going to be like for retail products? And because you kind of fall into a a fintech side of the the business, so what's that going to look like? How much is going to be automated, augmented reality? I can tell you, you were down there in Orlando Game Space with me also. It's a co-working space for our listeners in Orlando, Florida. And it's all about virtual reality and augmented reality. I think a lot of your products are going to be in that space now. Every time this question comes up, are you in fintech? What industry are you in? I say that I coexist. I'm a creative. I create products. I create businesses. I create brands. And I create solutions. When it comes to technology, I have two people that I hold very dear to my heart that educate me and dumb it down for me to understand the tech stuff and those are the founders of uh, 302 that's Kyle Moran and Bobby Torres they understand all those solutions they they create augmented reality and virtual reality frameworks and solutions for themselves in-house vertically integrated as well but they'll also do that for clients as well and you if you get the three of us in a room I could probably answer that question a lot better but on the personal side I see a lot of a lot of innovation happening in the fulfillment and distribution side, mm-hmm. as well as the pick, pack, and ship process of the uh, warehousing process, if you will, for order fulfillment. I also see a lot of local production going, where you can operate with a lean business model, where it's 
low overhead, high revenue, high production type of thing. So more craft-based home businesses where you charge a little bit more because the understanding is that less you're working with a lot less. So I see production coming over here. In, in regards to the tech, I do see fashion and retail implement, implementing a lot of augmented reality in their mm -hmm. storefronts. Mm -hmm. I do see a lot of that, a lot of digital billboards, um, a lot of innovative checkout solutions, um, interactive okay, get this. displays, like that type of thing. Um, I do see stores going that route. I, I feel like in, in retail, a lot more of that uh, checkout, I mean, I experience it in grocery stores I go to, whether you're oh, yeah. at Walmart or you're at Target. You know, obviously, there's a real need for being able to have those things automated. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I heard Nissan is releasing um, electric cars next year. There's not supposed to be any gas cars. That's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it is. Because I'm going, that changes all kinds of construction in homes. Yeah. They're going to have to have modules where you can have your electric charging station you know, in your garage. Soon. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yeah, I'm thinking like apartment communities, right? You're going to have to have every parking spot has to have an electric charger yep. for cars to do that. And they better, like, do that overnight. I, I completely agree. <laughs> I think we're still on the cusp of that wave. And we're being exposed to a lot. And we see the different routes that, you know, the innovation is trying to go. But we're, it's still very, very early. Innovation okay. has to be rolled out in phases for the masses to be able to handle and adapt to it. Yeah, that's, you're talking about really scalable good. solutions. So, yeah. yeah, there's definitely that. All right, so we've, we've talked about automations and being able to check out in grocery stores. I have heard of also um, robots being able to go, and instead of having people that deliver, um, like, you know, whatever, Instacart, whatever, um, people doing it, there would be robots going in, picking things out. It goes in a little, I saw this on on a documentary yeah, on Netflix, and it drives to a person's house, not like a drone, but here's your stuff, and then, you know, it goes away. There's, so, a, there's a startup that, uh, that I forgot the name they're of They're doing it, it in so, San Francisco, right? It's now. a pizza company that, it's, it's a few of the former employees from either SpaceX or Tesla, I believe, but they started a pizza company where it's all fully automated by robots yeah. going down to the delivery. Yeah, yeah. I would believe cool. that. And they have like a head chef that's just there overseeing everything, but it's all robots. Well, they're doing that now. And this show was the future of food that okay. I was watching. And they had, it was a robot that was driving that in San Francisco doing that. I can see places where you would go in to buy anything. So I imagine if I wanted to go to Krispy Kreme, there's not going to be humans there anymore making the donuts. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's a process they can, they can automate fully now. So this is the moral dilemma then. Day, the moral dilemma. Yeah. We have people that are immigrants that come over here. They need jobs. They don't speak English. They end up getting the jobs that are exactly like what we're describing. Yeah. They need those jobs. Then we also have those individuals with disabilities that are not high functioning, um, you know, neurodiverse or whatever you want to be able to say. They don't have that IQ. Where, if we take these kind of jobs away, then what are they supposed to do? It's, I feel like there's two ways to look at it. One, when when you're creating a business, it's I feel like it's effective if you're reducing the time that it takes somebody to do something. They'll, and with implementing tech to make certain things easier for us, I don't think that's going to necessarily impact us in a negative way. I feel like it's going to expose us to 
doing what we're actually supposed to do. So the meaningless tasks that people get paid, these wages that they complain about and petition for and do all that stuff for, those might be those those might not be the opportunities. They might be exposed to something where they can actually do what they love to do. Or I feel like there's this place where we, we as humans, if we're going to take something away that's been a way for people to get jobs, we need to be thinking about how we're going to solve the other side. Well, what are, how can we help them find a job and do something or start a business, whatever it is that they're going to be good at? Because the poor will always be with us. We know the word. And we also know that you know, those that have disabilities, not everybody can. Yeah. So we have to be able to find that balance between them. And, and I'm just going to throw that out because I know that you're a very uh, empathetic person. Okay. And when I say I know, I mean, this is truly what yeah. I've witnessed about you. I and that. I feel like you're going to be somebody that goes, well, you know what? That, that is, we need, to, we need to think about those people. Just off the cusp, I think, a great way to combat a potential issue before it even happens is exposure. You know, you have to you have to find people to connect with that are passionate about making social impact. That's one. And once you create that energy to cultivate a positive change, then that'll definitely happen. And for these individuals, like you're saying, there there are people like like you, like myself, that are passionate about helping people in need, whether that's in financial need, that's in mental need, that's emotional need, whatever it is they're destined to help people in need. So I think it's more of, if we can expose people to more of like a be, do, have mentality, mm -hmm. I think we can start combating that issue because there's people that are passionate about creating tech, there's people that are passionate about creating cars, there's passionate people about making clothing, and then there's people about social, social impact and generating that personal capital, that personal currency, that social exchange People aren't going anywhere. So I'm not, and I guess this is like, this is me appreciating the upbringing, not really being exposed to too much tech. Like, I'm not really worried about it. I know it's going to come. I know it's going to be there. It's, des it's designed to happen. But people are not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be more on the side of the people that are trying to create social impact solutions. And that's the community I'll be around and keep pushing the bar for exposure. My thoughts are that we really need, as, as business owners, we need to keep this as an ongoing conversation and, you know, break, break down silos and, and turning away because I know I've been just as guilty. You know, there, I see so many homeless people on the street and I go, how, how can I help them? I'm just one person. Oh, yeah. But I think as, as a group of people and if every person said, all right, I'm going to do this to try and make a difference then maybe it's that dollar, don't give it to the homeless person. You, you give it to an organization that's actually producing some impact. Like, you know, Bomba Socks, I love that they give away, you buy a pair of socks, they give a, a black pair of socks, you know, that's always the ones that go to the shelter. Um, that's a way that they differentiate themselves. And it's, it's things like that. And that's what I meant by social impact. It's knowing how to coexist with the things that you love. So every yeah. single business that we create every single brand that we're working on currently right now every single one is a social impact designed into the business model and that i feel i feel like that is going to be the next wave of what businesses are trying to do to connect with I the agree. consumer yeah and on the business side yes it will it will generate capital gain for the business yes it, it is designed to profit 
but there are ethical thoughts going into how can we impact these communities because businesses are now coexisting with these small businesses, these nonprofit organizations. They're starting to be aware of what they can do with the, the level of presence that they have in their, their marketplace. Best mentoring advice that you want our listeners to hear? Yeah, best mentoring advice ever. Um, this came from one of my mentors when I was working at, uh, at Adidas. Uh, his name is Herman, and he took like a, a big brother like role with me for sure. And he always he told me, he's like, Jay, no matter what, have plan A through Z. And he's like, that way if plan A fails, you can go to plan B. And he's like, you're not expecting a failure. You're just expecting to know that life is about failing forward. Yes. I yeah. agree. I love that. So I say that same thing. Not as yeah. not as beautifully as what <laughs> you just said, but there's, you know, twenty six letters in the alphabet. Yeah, there's always a plan. Yeah. And you would say like, you know, each letter is a chapter of your book. And mm-hmm. life is meant to be spent from A to Z. So don't obsess about being perfect right now, right now. He's like, you're young. You're allowed to be dumb and mess up and do this and do that. That's what this age group is for. That's what this letter is for. Then this phase is for. And he broke it down so eloquently. And it just, it stuck with me. It's like, all right, this is the life, this is the life lesson that I'm learning in this, these five years. For me, closing out the decade last year, that was understanding that I have a diagnosis. And I could work with that framework and develop myself to be a better person. And that's what I left with. I was like, wow, I understand myself. Or I got the tools to understand myself. So you understand yourself at that moment in time. Yeah. Because you're going to continue to evolve. Absolutely. Growth mindset, always. How can people contact you? You can go You can go to our website, uh, www.pocket-capital.com. And every other contact spot will be there. Instagram, uh YouTube, Twitch, uh, whichever channels are on there that, that the marketing guys work on. Um, for me, uh, yeah, you can shoot me an email because, you know, if, if anybody's hearing this that's on the mental health side, shoot me an email. I'll open that one for sure. And I will try my best to just be active with it, and that's something that we're... That Do you want to share that email address? Yeah, it's uh, j at pocket-capital.com. Feel free so to is it send J, J-A-Y, or the letter J? Yeah, J-A-Y. Okay. Well, thanks so much. We're going to just say thank you, Cat5 Studios, for um, helping our production, uh, getting our production team going. We want to thank our video interns, Chase McDowell, David Ullman, and Keisha Perez. Music by Sophie Lloyd, Charles Fleming, Elijah Sutton, Dave Francis, and Diego Leal. Sound effects by Eric Peterson, Matt Miller, Miguel Centra, and Dave Francis. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. Thank you so much, Jay. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Awesome. Thank you.